Welcome to the Sports Antidote, the Reset, episode number four. I'm your host, Danny Belts, with a Z, and with me is my co-host, the Drunk Neighbor. What's up, everybody? Uh, he's on that wine and that whiskey again, no beer. You you quit drinking beer? Is that cutting what we... I'm cutting weight, gotta make weight. Like, gotta make weight, coach. Uh, a lot to discuss today. Uh, you're going to be talking to Dickie Sala about this next coming. What MMA is it to? Yes, sir. UFC 251. We Two. get deep into the weeds. We give you some good gambling picks. And we talk about an up-and-coming fighter. Yeah, we like that, baby. Deshaun Jackson's out of his mind. Uh, we'll be talking about that with you. And Bum. Tommy Bench is coming on to talk about that. The producer. Actually, not the producer. The ops guy. Hey, man. Christians can't sing in church in California. We'll be talking about that. Colin Kaepernick. Wearing that Castro shirt is just amazing. Uh, and then we'll have, I believe, Ned Ryerson coming on to discuss the no-cuck zone, which will probably be the end of the show. And he's got a – just to let you know, I know that some people ask me about that bit. What that is is I know we use the word cuck about things you. that – You. You say it a lot as well. You just don't realize it. But this is uh, actually a bit maybe once a month where we find someone that is actually uh, about that action and knowingly – because that's kind of what it is, right? A cuckold. And, uh, and we're going to get it. Here we go. Very fa- famous person, if you haven't been bringing news lately, uh, is about that. So uh, why don't we bring in Tommy Bench right now? We'll get into Deshaun Jackson after that. I don't know when um, Ned Ryerson's coming in here to talk about that. But either way, we'll get you and Dickie on for you know to talk about that, that fight. Probably take about a half hour, but I'm sure it's going to be good stuff. Let's get uh, Tommy Bench on here and let's get this going. Tommy Bench, uh, the show's ops guy, joins the Sports Antidote Reset number four. Thanks for jumping in. Hey, this is your first time technically on, uh, uh, not behind the curtain, but when the curtains are up. You're on, you're on stage, first time on. Thanks for jumping on, brother. It's good to be with you, Mr. Belts, and uh, I guess, is, is it Mr. Neighbor, Mr. Drunk Neighbor? It's However, just Drunk we're... Neighbor. I don't feel Dr- drunk. Mr. Drunk Neighbor is my father. His son. Okay. <laughs> I will keep that in mind. I will keep that in mind. It's good to, good to be on the reset here. Really enjoying this, uh, this new format and these new shows. We got you back there working hard in the kitchen in the back of the house. It's good to come up to the front of the house every now and again and eat with the rich folk up here, you know? First well, class, baby. Somebody needs to keep uh, Chucklehead Row moving ahead here. So. <laughs> Chucklehead Row. That's the sales guys. That's a shot. That's fun. Um, so, you know, there's... There's a lot of ways to approach this, a lot of angles in which we could. What are we approaching? I thought we talked about that earlier. I'm sorry. Deshaun Jackson. Yes. And the low-hanging fruit fruit would be the whole, you know, what if a white guy said this? What if a white guy said, yeah. And I mean, that's, look, if you're looking for that level of analysis, you can look up any idiot on Twitter. Right. And they'll give you a full screed on that. But. Again, here on the Sports Antidote, we're trying to at least at least do the second level of analysis. I'm not saying we're going to do anything uh, groundbreaking here, but we're going to go just a little bit deeper than uh, what that first level of sports media analysis that you can get anywhere else. Beyond the so, whataboutisms. Beyond the it, It's just that's the easiest thing to do. Anybody. I mean, that's the first thing everybody thinks of because it's the easiest. And frankly, it's the most obvious. So let, let's dig a little deeper. For those who don't know, Deshaun Jackson tweeted out a couple of days ago a combination of quotes from Louis Farrakhan, who's, I, I think, just an out and open, in the open anti-Semite, despite what he occasionally says on interviews. The things he says 
about Jews are just truly despicable. And then Deshaun Jackson retweeted some text and there were highlights, highlighted sections of the text, which I believe it was quotes from Farrakhan, but Farrakhan was quoting Hitler and the specific sections that were highlighted were what Deshaun Jackson tweeted out and was calling attention to. And they were, they were a series of texts talking about how, you know, Jews are just as evil as the rest of the whites and, and are really terrible and just all these anti-Semitic and, and really racist things. And what struck me is the irony of this all. Here's an African-American in the United States who's worth more money than all three of us put together, probably ever will be, you know, millions of dollars, getting to play sports, making a lot of money, living the dream. And he's quoting a guy who, A, system, systematically, talk about systemic. I mean, systemic anti-Semitism was a thing in Germany to the point where they rounded up 7 million Jews and tried to kill the entire Jewry of Europe in the 1930s and 40s. But it's not like Hitler had this soft spot for Africans. <laughs> and in fact, I'm going to read an exact quote. And I, and I want to I make sure we are taken in context here. This is a quote of what Hitler wrote in Mein Kampf. It's one of the few times he commented on his thoughts and feelings. And so, I'm, again, this is a quote, reading a quote, not my feelings, full disclosure, full disclaimer here. Don't at me. Okay. Yeah. Don't at me. No, no people. Right. Right. No, no cancel culture here. This is a quote of Hitler's feelings (laughs) toward blacks. Shane, flip this. Get ready. Right. Right, Get ready. All right. Quote. It was as the Jews who bring the Negroes into the Rhineland, Hitler wrote, always with the same secret thought and clear aim of ruining the hated white race by the necessarily resulting bastardization. End quote. Now, that's keep in mind you're translating German to English, so there's a little awkwardness in syntax, but, but let's look at that. This is Hitler blaming the Jews, the Jews, the Juden, right, who always get blamed for everything, that they brought black Africans into Germany for the sole purpose of disrupting his perfect Aryan race that he, Hitler, was trying to craft. So you tell me. Should does that really sound like somebody that a black man in America should be quoting and holding up as good as somebody putting forth good ideals and principles? I I really (laughs) question whether Deshaun Jackson has like, could he even name like three other facts about Adolf Hitler besides, well, Louis Farrakhan quoted him. Like, give me something. Did you know he was an amateur? Right. He was. He was also an amateur artist, which means all amateur artists are banned and must now therefore be canceled. He was a dog owner, right? But it's just the irony of quoting someone like that who obviously had such hatred toward people with dark skin among, you know, Jews and people with dark skins and gypsies and everybody else. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a good thing there were not millions of uh, Africans who'd moved from Africa to Germany, because guess who Hitler would have probably picked on? I mean, that was his big thing. He identified a group and said, we're going to make them the enemy. It happened to be there were a lot of Jews. So he said, let's point to them. But I guarantee you, he would have been happy to pick on any other minority group with the same intensity if there had been larger numbers. He just, he needed a group that was a large enough group to point to so that everybody could say, well, yeah, yeah, it's those guys over there. So it's just, it's disgusting when people quote him or people who are quoting him 
are quoted or pointed to is look at those good, interesting points they're bringing up. I, I, there's just, I, I find there to be almost no reason to do that in this country. It's just, it's disgusting and shows such a lack of any sort of intellectual integrity or capability of thinking about and understanding historical context. I mean, I don't think we're all sitting here thinking we're dealing with some intellectual giant in Deshaun Jackson, but I, I know just, Deshaun Jackson more for dropping the football before the end zone in high school, college, and pro. He's right. Going, he's going full circle for when he's about to score, he just drops the ball. Remember he did it in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He certainly hasn't learned from his mistakes. He's certainly not that smart of a guy. Oh, belts. Is that because he's black? No, it's because he's an idiot. There's a lot of idiot white people too. And a lot of the whites are actually the ones defending him. So there's two schools. Oh, Chris Long. Chris, look, he did it again? Yeah. Oh, cool. oh, oh, he's intolerable. He's so All intolerable. All you Philadelphia Eagles are, man. Go get Malcolm X <sighs> Jenkins down here. Look, look here's the thing. Uh, uh, belts. Uh, I'm belts. You're, ju- you're bench. My bad. Wow. That's, right. here. I'm, that's a Joe Bidenism right there. I'm sorry. There, there you go. The thing. The thing. The thing. The thing. It's just, it, for, for me, there's, there's, there's two ways to look at this. There's the guy that makes the stupid comment. There's three ways. Then there's everyone that roasts him for making the stupid comment. But right. then there's the people that defend the stupid comment. And that right. is even worse than the comment itself. Because right. I don't agree that we should look. If you get drunk one day and go on Twitter and say something stupid, I don't think you should lose your job. I don't. I'm not a fan right. of that. I think it's okay. He made a mistake. I mean, I'm not, I'm not condoning racist, you know, this, this insanity. Although this is probably the most racist thing I've ever seen. Basically, right. this what he did was unbelievable. But Shannon Sharp, good. Tell, 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 uh, tell, I, yeah. what Shannon, tell the audience what Shannon. I heard. You told me this today. I almost fell. I almost fell off the seat. So he he defended it, saying that uh, not only Farrakhan, but he also who he's been known to support. He's also said that Ilhan Omar said that it was <laughs> not anti-Semitic. Right. Okay. Well, okay. All right. I mean, that well, would be. Why do we? Not anti-Semitic. Here. <laughs> Right. Let's dig up Goebbels and Himmler and get their opinion on the matter, too, because that's about the same level of anti-Semitism we're dealing with. That's like somebody calling me and asking for advice on the G-spot. I mean, it is just absolutely. It's elusive. We don't know what we're talking about here. It's unbelievable. And, you know, and let's if we dive into that, do we have to spend a lot of time on Shannon Sharp? No, no. Can we just say that I have one question. That's outrageous that a media member and he got away with it. I don't think anybody stopped him. Do you think, usual. Do, do both of you think Shannon Sharp is as ridiculous as he can be? Do you think that the producers or somebody behind the scenes, a director, a board member, whatever they are, is telling him, look, Shannon, you're that guy. You're kind of, you're, you're the guy. On, it's FS1 though, right? It's not, yeah. it's been, yeah. he goes, you're that guy that's going to have to be the Jamila Hill of FS1. Turn it up. And you're just going to pressure. Do you think they do it just for good? No. No. If anything, what I think is there's people behind the scenes going, going. uh, No, I think there's people cringing, thinking, ooh, that might have crossed the line. But nobody's going to say anything to him. No. They'll never say anything to him or any of the on-air personalities. I, I, you know, the, the inverse of this would be, remember all those people defending the cop who killed George Floyd? Yes. 
No, I no, yeah, I I'm, don't. right. No, exactly, exactly. There wasn't because what he did was it was awful. just Danny Belts. Yeah, right, well, yeah. no, no. But what? But kid. everybody agreed. Everyone agreed what that cop did was awful. He should be arrested. He should go to jail. And and that and the system is is in the process of those things likely happening. Well, he has been arrested. I bet he will be found guilty and he will spend time in prison. So again, that was like a ninety-nine to one issue. So on this, I, I don't even understand why there's any discussion. Look. I, I agree. I don't think the guy should be fired. I don't. Th- although I think it would be funny maybe if certain large corporations that recently paid out large marketing settlements to them a couple of years ago called them back up and said, you know, we, we're, we're kind of disturbed and wouldn't like to be associated with you guys anymore. So we'd like some of that marketing money back. But that's beside the point. Um, I don't think he should lose his job. But I, I also I, I agree. It's ludicrous. There are people trying to defend this. I just, it, it, it'll probably blow over faster. Everybody's like, look, that was really in poor taste. That was awful. And he should take Julian Edelman up on his offer to go to the uh, National Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., which, by the way, if any of our listeners are thinking of doing a tour or think of going to D.C., that's probably one of the best places to tour in terms of the impact it will have on you and understanding the scope and scale of, of the evil that was done to the Jews in Europe in the 1930s and 40s. It's almost incomprehensible. Don't have any plans the rest of the day because it really takes it out of you. Yeah, yeah. You're, not gonna, you're not going to be pumped up to go hit the bars after. You're going to want to contemplate, you know, and if, and if you're really honest, if we're all, if you're really being honest, you're going to ask yourself, would I have spoken up? I hope the answer is yes, but, you know, all these self-righteous woke people who swear they would have been the ones that, they're all sheep. Who knows what, who knows what any of us would have done, but, Man, well, I, I, I just probably would have been like your boy George Soros, who actually turned his back on him and turned them in, right? And did everything he could, right? And, and that's who they all like to follow, right? They're all and they all would end up being Christopher Plummer in uh, what was the Denzel movie where it turns uh, out Christopher, um, uh, Man on Fire, yeah. no, remember the Titans, <laughs> that one, here right? We go again, here we go. <laughs> American Gangster, no, wait, so uh. I think it was flight. Crimson Tide. Yeah, no. Sorry. Crimson Tide. Um, right. I want to I want to talk about one thing. You brought up Julian Edelman. So right. Julian Edelman kind of does the I guess the whole like, hey, man, it's OK. Let's go get a beer and I'll take you to the museum and all this bullshit. But why is it that I mean, this is the obvious one. Brees has to kiss the ring and all that. We get it. But why can't Edelman be outraged if I'm a Jew? And I'm 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 a nat, I'm a big athlete. I'm not taking that. That's not the high road to me. That's the low road. The high road would be no, unacceptable. Where's the apology? I'd be hammering the media. Where are you right now? Are you kidding me? What happens if I don't know? Uh, I, okay, I can't do it. I was about to do it. Uh, the whole what if a white guy? But I'm just saying that there's nothing on television about this. There's the Edelman story is bigger than what Jackson did right now, which is insane. That right. is the most backwards logic. I'm, I'm, go ahead. Well, other than being a way better slot receiver than Deshaun Jackson, <laughs> he's a way bigger man. And I, I think that has to count for something, right? Like maybe he, we, we hate cancel culture. We're going to have to push against it. How about by doing things like what Julian Edelman just did, instead of trying to cancel a guy for sustaining something that wasn't just anti-Semitism. No. It was black supremacy. Let's just put that into writing because that is what it was it said because the white jews know that the negroes excuse me are the real children of israel and to keep america's secret the jews will blackmail america 
So that's not only anti-Semitic, it is black supremacy. So instead of let's cancel this guy, which honestly, that, that's a cancelable statement. Extremely cancelable. Right. He, he says, <laughs> I'm going to take the high road. And I, I, so I'm going to disagree with you. I, I think Julian Edelman did something that is going to help Deshaun Jackson. It's going to save him from being, you know, destroyed. Well, if he takes him up on it. I, I'm not aware. I'm not aware. Have they scheduled a date? I mean, are they going to put masks on and go go there and do the whole thing? You know the thing. You know the thing. I, you know? I don't know if it's set up. I know the right. offer is on the tape. Right. So, I, and I'll also chalk it up to a hey, I, I I think he's trying to take the high road. I also think he's smart enough to realize he'll he'll come out of this looking better. And I'm sure he's got an army of PR agents and people like that giving him this advice, like, oh, Julian, this, this could be your chance to kind of, you know, because he's, he's a little on the downslope of his career, right? I mean, would we agree with that? He's, he's on the, the end part of his career. Both um, of them are. Right, both of them are. Yeah. So, hey, Julian, here's a chance to get back in the news. Instead of having your picture taken by some girl on Twitter that you hooked up with from the bar the night before, wasn't that him a couple of years ago? Both anyway. times. Right. So – Here's here's his chance to, and, and I'll, I'll give him credit for for making that effort, um, but I, you know, hey, the Hebrew hammer's out there. He's pretty upset, but even he, and that's Ben Shapiro for those who don't know, even he's not advocating cancel culture. And again, th- this breaks down to a fundamental difference between the intolerant left, not a liberal, not people who I disagree with about tax policy or abortion or gun rights, but the intolerant leftist mob. They they would they would never make this offer. They would demand you be canceled and thrown out. Oh, There's never going to be a hey. Why don't you know? Why don't we go to whatever you know, whatever museum or relevant thing that you offended and said something horrible about, and try to learn from what you said. He has to go to that South Park human. Museum that that Cartman had to go to. Remember that the museum <laughs> of uh of all the you know remember that episode? No. Oh wow, yeah. it was pretty. Fun. He's like, I'm not the covetous Jew. It's it's a it's it's a it's stereotype museum. Ah. Um. My point also is, I just looked up Edelman's um agent. I thought for sure he would be Jewish. He's actually Asian. Um. <laughs> wait, that's not what. It's Deshaun. Is Deshaun Jackson his agent? That's the interesting one. Also, um, I want to uh, bring up well, one quick the, point. Um, the general manager for the Eagles. I'm pretty sure Howie Roseman is Jewish. I'm pretty, you know, what I'm pretty sure of when it was uh, Chip Kelly that cut, or basically he didn't cut it, but he traded him for a bag of potato chips. Remember they called Chip Kelly racist for doing that? Well, that's funny. Right. Let's, let's, let's go revisit that. Who's the real racist here at this point? Um, that is unbelievable. The owner's making a movie about Hitler. What's that? The owner's making a movie at the meaning of Hitler, which is just going to be a slideshow of Donald Trump, of course. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> Looks like Deshaun Jay's. Uh, it looks like his uh, agent's Italian, of course. Uh-huh. One of you people. Well, so yeah. South paid. Philly. Fragile. Must be Italian. <laughs> well, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I think the whole thing's absurd. Great points by both you guys. Um, since I have you on, Tommy Bench, um, before we go, we're going to have a pretty tight show today. I got a feeling that we're going to have a pretty hefty MMA section. By the way, do you are you going to be uh, – you don't gamble on any of that, do you? No. Oh, God, no. I, I, I hardly gamble on anything. Well, well, you're gambling on me right now, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. Before we get out of here, though, I, I do want to talk about one more thing as we continue to go down the political line. Uh, I just can't help it. In California, Governor Newsom has not put any shutdown on the mosques. 
So Muslims are able to worship at their leisure as they should be, okay? But Christians in California, both Baptists, Catholic, snake holding by whatever drunk neighbor calls them, the snakers. That's everything that's not Catholic. Everything that's not Catholic is right. this rattlesnake. Uh, <laughs> you're not allowed to sing at church. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but that has to be some sort of... Well, he really do that. So, Mr. Belts, I'm not a lawyer either, but I have watched a few good men at least three dozen times in my life. So I'd say that's equivalent to attending law school. You don't have to answer that question. Um, I, I, if I'd like to look into this. I did not hear that specific aspect. And what's really interesting. So, you know, Muslim Islamic services are, are more even uh, a series of rote, repeated prayers packed in pretty tight, I guess, if they social distance, where the entire congregation or group, I'm not, I'm not sure if they have a specific term for congregation, says the, it's like saying the Our Father and the Hail Mary and, well, never mind, Belts, you wouldn't know what that is, but it's saying repeated prayers out loud in a large group. So I don't see, like, physiologically how that's different than singing. It's not. So I really, I'm... It's, it's taking a step. It's, it's, it's right. a constant monster that never stops eating. It right. never stops. It drinks up the rivers. It eats up the cattle, and it never is consumed. It just keeps not consumed. It's never quenched. It just keeps eating. It take, 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 cancel, 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 cancel. And now, if we get Christians not to sing, and then they they get the what? What can we do next? Can we just take away church in general? I, I'm, I'm just saying. Once you lose something like that, it's gone. No, it's and, and here's my frustration with dealing, especially with you know overeducated. Uh, either people in the medical community or people who think they're smart because they want to listen to people in the medical community, which in general we should. Anytime you even say, hey, I'm concerned about my civil liberties. Oh, you're one of those idiots that thinks this is a hoax and you don't want to wear a mask. I didn't say that. I wear a mask. I'm just saying I'm also concerned at the same time about my civil liberties and the fact that it seems like there are politicians using this as a chance to expand government. And it's funny, uh, Mrs. Bench asked me this evening, we were talking about this topic and she brought up, she's like, do you feel like our freedoms are slipping away? I said, honey, our freedoms have been slipping away since the Civil War when Abraham Lincoln suspended parts of the Constitution. Cancel him you know? too. All Take right, cancel him. Down. And then, but then, but then I even remembered even further back in history, Marbury versus Madison, which was essentially the first time the Supreme Court said, you know what, we can review anything we want, what we say goes. That must have been nice. I mean, isn't that great? You, you, your own... And of course, some lawyers who listen to this and be like, well, that's not technically what the reading of Barbara. Shut up. In general, that's the effect that it had. So yep. freedoms and civil liberties have been slipping away. And, and I do, I am concerned that especially there are certain politicians who are seeing this as an opportunity to find ways to seize more control. And it's always going to be interesting to see who gives it back and who doesn't. It never gets, you never get it back. But that's right. Um, no, good point. And in closing, uh, I have a theory, and I wanted to run this by you real quick. Um, there's a, the mayor of New Orleans. Do you think this could actually happen? The mayor of New Orleans, Latoya Cantrell, a.k.a. Latoya, the destroyer. Uh, mm -hmm. Even my friends to the left, even some – I have one real super woke friend that lives in New Orleans. He's not about this action. Her approval rating is probably in the teens right now. After letting bodies rot in the crumbled Hard Rock Hotel, I'm sure you remember Chinese that. Chinese crawfish yep. have a higher approval rating Chinese in New Orleans. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, between what she's done now with 
um, her debacle with Mardi Gras. Now she's talking about shutting down Mardi Gras for 2021, which basically is an economic that would destroy New Orleans as a whole from the infrastructure, from a money standpoint. But that's neither here nor there. But she continues to basically campaign against herself. Politicians, the drunk neighbor said earlier when we were talking over dinner, he said, you know, politicians, number one uh, priority is to ascend, right? Be a congressman, be right. a senator, the senator to be president, the mayor be governor, right? He's right. But the first thing is before that, you got to get reelected. Right. Right. Absolutely. First it's priority. Her first term. It's her first term. And I, there's a lot of mayors and governors that are in their first term as well uh, that are basically, I feel, listening to someone tell them, you know, you're not going to get reelected. Keep doing what you're doing. All you got to do is hold serve for four or five more months. And if you do it, you'll never have to work again. I mean, Latoya, the destroyer, owes back taxes to the IRS. Well, she won't after this is over. Do you think there's a chance? without wearing my tinfoil hat all the way. It's only, it's like halfway on. Right. You, you didn't get the chance? nice one out. Is somebody, what's that? You didn't get the nice tinfoil hat out. No, it's, one your... it's the one from the movie Signs. Um, right. That, that, yeah, right. that they were wearing watching the television. Another M. Night Shat Upon movie. That was a good movie, actually. I like that one. But do you think there's a chance, an outside chance, that there's someone actually paying these people to just do what they're doing as they bury themselves politically? De Blasio's another one, even though he's turned out he, he, he's he's a dead man walking to New York right now. Is there, is there a chance this is happening or is that just me? No, I, I think I think there are groups. Definitely there's consulting groups. There, there's gigs that these people get lined up while they're in office. Do I think it's as implicit or explicit as, hey, do these horrible things and we'll take care of you? No, but do I think there's a lot of assumption and, and a lot of implication and and uh, wait, there was a term that was really popular like six months ago, quid pro quo, quid pro quo, quid, quid pro quo. All right. Do I think there's a lot of that kind of stuff? Absolutely. I mean, that, that's well documented, well known. And, and, and but the only thing that stops me from saying it's like a full blown Illuminati controlled cabal of people intentionally orchestrating this is what is the end state? And it, it, the end state, it would have to be something really sinister, like, well, we want to control and lock these people down. Or I, I'm not sure because it could have the adverse effect and the silent majority could rise up and push back and elect people from different parties who aren't as beholden to the same interest groups. So it, it's, I, I think it's a poor, if it's very intentional and orchestrated, I think it's a poor strategy. I think it's just more, there's understandings and there's, we want you to behave this way. And right. you know, there's always a place for someone like you on the team when your time is up right. at some consulting gig question is who's coaching that team but look we got to run a little long on time here short on time but look thanks for jumping on brother appreciate it tommy bench always good to be on yeah man we'll have you on next week and i'm sure we'll be on a i'm sure there'll be a couple ops phone calls coming my way with us two crazy sales guys you know take care all right see you tommy bench uh certainly knows his stuff uh interesting I think he brings a good perspective. Um, your black supremacy topic, though, uh, I think you're right. And I think that uh, we could have got a little deeper into that. There are some things there. It's not just you. I'm just saying. I think he agreed with a couple things there, especially at the end. But Sometimes less is more. Particularly on that, absolutely. But the point had to be made. I'm glad you did it. And I think he has some good points to, to counter off that uh, because I couldn't agree with you more. That's kind of what it is. But, you know, no big deal. Um, we don't want to get too much into that. Um, and I, I do agree with his Latoya, the destroyer um, theory as well that I have. And he had a good explanation there. And now 
I think it's time. I think it's time for the no cuck zone. It's first uh <laughs> never ending siren, the no cuck zone. Uh Ned Ryerson. Bing, how you doing, Chief? Ready to be back on the no cuck zone, the no spin zone, reinvamped. We're ready to roll now. So what the no cuck zone actually is here. I don't think I did a good enough job of explaining that before. Um, but what are we doing here? So uh, after you and I had discussed Danny Belts, uh, it seemed that there was a lot of cuckoldry going on in 2020. And it's not getting covered nearly enough by the, uh, the woke media, as we like to talk about it. So I think it's time that we really uh, sink our teeth in and really tell people what's going on behind the scenes. Right. And before I think we would use that word, I think it was just to describe anything other than what it really wasn't about. But this bit, you know, once or two, maybe a few times a year, if we get one, we can talk about it. But go ahead and fill us in, because there's a very famous, prominent actor that was getting cucked. He knew about it and it made the news. And I think you read up on it pretty good. So why don't we go ahead and pass the mic to you and let us know who that is and really what happened. Yeah, we're, we're going to start with a big bing to have Ned Ryerson go off on this one. Uh, a guy that I've really looked up to my entire life. You may know him as the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Will Smith, uh, happily married, I thought, for 20 years with uh, a pretty well-known female, Jada Pinkett. Uh, don't, don't mean to assume her gender like that. But um, apparently their marriage had turned into a love partnership which I don't like that to begin with. That's, that seems like trouble. Don't like that. Um, that, that's just, yeah, that's not where we like to see here in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. And apparently on some vacations, a one August Alsina, uh, a pretty well-known R&B and rapper, asked for Will's permission to cuck him. <laughs> and, and, I'll give it to August. Gentleman's move asking because, as you know, Ned doesn't ask. Ned, Ned takes. Ned's a taker. But it looks like August asked for permission to then yeah, go and here. cuck Will Smith's in front of him and did exactly that. That's unbelievable, dude. <laughs> that is disgusting. <laughs> and, and and the Fresh Prince is no longer fresh in my, in my eyes. I, no. I, I have a... I, I, I am legend is now I am cuck in yeah, my eyes. I, 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 I really fresh cuck. Fresh cuck. Yeah, he's no longer legend. I uh, I don't know how that went. He watched. Is that a fact? Uh, I don't know that we can confirm that he watched, but he did. And not to go back on his movies, I cuck as opposed to I robot. Uh, it, it's just something that I can't get behind. Uh, I'm sure Jaden Smith is going to write up a poem about it, and we'll read about it in the the New York Times later, but. It's really unsettling. And in this first installment of the No Cuck Zone, Will Smith, you have been cucked. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. I, I don't have much else. We're a little short on time today. I mean, I, I should have probably played your Groundhog Day intro. I'm sorry. That's uh, okay. Well, every, everyone knows what's going on. Ned Ryerson. Bang! Bang! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, look, well uh, thanks for jumping on, brother. Um, we're going to have you on for some sports takes. Oh, wait, you have a golf take for us. 
Uh, not this week, actually. Uh, no. I wanted to tell everyone, though, that on the Wednesday pods, I will be giving a couple uh, sleepers, favorites uh, to go, you know, the plus 100s to the plus 7,000s on the uh, the weekly you golf bet. So those, definitely, right? yeah, we're, we're two for three yeah. since golf restarted. So uh, the COVID's not holding Ned back from his book. And uh, we're, we're going to keep rolling with that. All right. Well, bing. I like it. Bing, bing indeed. Not for Will. Will got cut. No. Got... <laughs> All right, man. Uh, I, like, I, like, I like this bit. Just keep trolling the internet. Look for other people who may be uh... – Maybe uh, just getting cucked. I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be hard right funny. now. <laughs> on these unsettling yeah. times. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for jumping on. We'll see you. Uh, we'll get you on next week, right? Absolutely. Bang. <laughs> what an absolute circus that was. Um, and you guys are going to take basically the back half of the show, you and Salvo, to talk about this ticket. I know you got your notes here. You're fired up to do this. You've been waiting for this, bro. This is like your Super Bowl right here, man. The UFC. Yeah. Well, it's gotten very exciting. You know, ever since baseball kind of went away, we, we're not going to have college football from what everybody's saying. So excited to have this. Excited to get some gambling in. Are we going to have baseball? I don't know. We'll talk about that next week. Let's do that. And then we also need to talk about Notre Dame not having a season because they can't play conference. They're not in the conference, so they can't play. <laughs> you just hate to see it. <laughs> we will talk about that next week. Uh, you want to get the MMA thing going? Let's get to it. Let's do it. All right. So, Jiggy, we got UFC 251, the big, most anticipated season in a while. Uh, where would you like to start? Well, I mean, I think it's, it's a jam-packed card, which – is excellent, you know, for, for viewers as well as gamblers. But, yeah, I think to your point, you know, the, the high-profile nature of some of these fights is going to lead to uh, maybe even increased betting, increased viewership. Uh, we could start at the top if you want, or we could start at the bottom. I have, you know, some different feelings about different fights, but the main event is obviously on everybody's mind, and I'm willing to start there if, you, if, you're, uh, if you're interested in doing that. I'm all about it. Let's hear your take. So we've talked about this, you and I, a little bit before. I mean, my take, quite frankly, is I, I like Usman. I, I'm not trying to go bet minus 260. Uh, when I look at Masvidal, I'm a huge fan of him. He's maybe money in the past. He's kind of the guy who his involvement this late in this event is what's hyping it even more in, com- in connection with the fact that there's no other sports on right now other than golf. So. It, it really, I think the number of tickets that are going to come in on Masvidal are going to be borderline insane. And that creates value in Usman. When you look at the styles, I mean, yeah, Masvidal is more experienced. He's a little bit more of a veteran. But Usman, he can apply pressure. He has, you know, an incredible tank. He's going to make this fight, you know, if he can, if he can apply his wrestling, he's going to make this fight uncomfortable for Masvidal. And there's not too many, you know, other than knocking him out, I don't know that I see – a route uh, for Masvidal to win. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I'm with you there. Uh, you know, looking at Usman's last fight against Covington, which was just an all-out war, a guy that can actually push his pace the entire time, another wrestler, uh, couldn't take him down the whole time. And you know what? Tony Covington, I, a lot of people hate on him because, you know, the whole Trump thing, and he, he's a very loud mouth. Uh, I actually thought that he was going to be the guy that was going to take this fight. Uh, fortunately for the world, I guess we're going to get Masvidal. I don't know if that's actually going to be a better fight. I don't know how we topped that last one that Usman and Covington put on. But, you know, I, I think we learned a lot about Usman in that fight. You know, he's still never been taken down. 
he took some hard blows throughout and really never never phased him. I mean, he got poked in the eye in the third, which, you know, they had to stop the fight in that one. Uh, you know, but other than that, nothing really phased that kid. He took he got rocked. I mean, the kid Covington hit Usman many, many times. Uh, but you know, one of the things that I really like about Usman that he showed in that fight, not only is that strong jaw, but he he kept leading with that front kick that just like stunned Covington's guts. And even a guy with that kind of pace, that kind of you know tempo that he usually sets in fights, a guy that's known for his uh, his his wind, just really took it out of him and eventually set up to break his jaw. And it really showed in the championship rounds whenever he just took him down. At, excuse me, not took him down, but broke his jaw. And really, you know, we'll see if Colby Cummings is ever going to be the same again. Yeah, and I think, you know, I know you're a Covington fan. I, I respect the guy. I know from an aesthetic standpoint, he's not always the most popular fighter. But it is a great gauge in terms of, of not only this fight, but Usman in general. I mean, he went through Covington. He beat Woodley and RDA via unanimous decision. He beat Maya. He beat uh, Sergio Marais, uh Worley Alves. He beat Leon Edwards a while back. I mean, he's only been beaten once in his career, and it was it was back in 2013. It was his second career fight. So, you know, from an athletic standpoint, as well as just the pace, I agree with you. I, I think I look at this, and this is probably the last thing I'll say, but Usman's obviously an elite fighter. When you look at Masvidal, I think he's in that elite category, but the problem is he's going from being the hunter to the hunted, and he's almost like a, a circus animal up there. I mean, between the BMF thing and the Nate Diaz fights and the, and the payday and this and that, he has really evolved into you know, a mediocre UFC guy to an absolute superstar, and sometimes that success doesn't always have uh, a positive impact in terms of the hunger and the psyche. You know, I think Masvidal is a professional, and I think he's going to be ready for this fight. I just don't know that the style is one he's going to be able to overcome. I'm, I'm with you there. And I, I think Masvidal is a guy who's got momentum after Till, then that ridiculous knockout against Askren. But, you know, even against Nate Diaz, I, I think if that fight keeps going, I don't know if he ends up winning that. Like, he's a great striker, no doubt about it. Uh, I, but I think that Usman – you know, and I'm probably giving him the kiss of death here, but Usman is a guy that looks like he was built to be the UFC champion of the Walter White division. And I just, I think, you know, he's just going to march forward, take Masvidal down. And I don't want to hear any excuses after this, by the way, that Masvidal was on seven days, you know, notice. Masvidal has been training for this fight. I, I think that was negotiated long ago that if one of these guys gets, COVID that he's coming in. I, I, I'm not going to believe anything outside of that. Yeah, I think I think this was the target for him long ago. There's the, you know They throw out different rumors on Twitter and in the media, but I do think this is the fight he knew was going to come next, and it was just a matter of the right time and him and Dana agreeing on money. But, but uh, you know, to segue into some of the other fights, I think we both like Usman. I think he's a, a decent parlay option, but it's just crazy that, that that fight is the main event, but then you really have you know, another fight that's, you know, considered a co-main event as well as uh, the Jan Aldo fight. And and I think, you know, I, I don't really parlay fights. I think Usman's a great parlay option in this fight. But, you know, when you look at the favorites and, and you look at the way you're going to address the board in this event, right, you really have three huge fights where 
you got favorites in that minus 200 to minus 220, minus 250 range even. And yep. so for me, it's fascinating to see a card that has stacked fights, yet there's a clear-cut favorite in each one of those three primary fights. And so, you know, Usman Masvidal is going to be excellent, we all hope, you know, at least. Um, but I'm also interested to hear your take on Holloway and, and Vol- Volkanovski because, you know, Masvidal is kind of that guy right now who's super popular, but for a while it was Max Holloway. This is the second time they're meeting. And I, this fight almost fascinates me a little bit more because a lot of people think Holloway had him in rounds four or five. Yeah, I just don't know if the matchup is there. But I would say Holloway is the one of these three underdogs that I probably give the most credibility to, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. Absolutely. So, you know, it's one of those things, like, Masvidal is a big dog. There's probably going to be a lot of tickets on him, right? But then you have two absolute wedges in Holloway and Aldo that are both dogs. That's why I think that there's value. If you want to take value picks, you got to either go featherweight or bantamweight here. I, I could absolutely see Holloway taking up Alexander the Great, the Australian. You know, I it, it reminds me a lot of in wrestling, whatever, you know, high school wrestling for those, like, there's always that one tall guy who will catch people in cradles and stuff like that. But then you also have, like, this beast who is just a monster, like Alexander Volkanovsky. I mean, that dude is an animal. He, he looks like he's a squatty dude, legs like tree trunks, just a freak. But, you know, people, I think we have forgotten about Max Holloway, like, a lot of people will consider him the greatest featherweight of all time, and we're just going to forget about him after one loss. And I, I, I could definitely – I think there's a lot of value in Max Holloway in this fight. Yeah, and when I look – I'm looking at, at SBR Sportsbook Review right now, and, and it looks like Masvidal has about 60% of those tickets. Holloway is at 57%. Oh, and yeah. then all the Jan are, are split, you know, fairly fairly well. But but I, I do like what you're saying. I just think that, you know, when you're looking at an underdog, Holloway, he's been to the peak of the mountain, and, and he's one of those guys, when you look at him psychologically, he wants to scrap. He wants to fight. He There's guys in there who, you know, they're, they're trying to get paid. You know, they want the celebrity. But Holloway's a real fighter in my mind, and I look at this opportunity for him as, as really a way to rectify – his career and almost, you know, resurrected. When you look at when you look at, um, at Volkanovski, he's he's almost like the most unheralded superstar though that's out there. I mean, he beat Chad Mendes, he beat Aldo, he beat Holloway the first time around. Um, it, it's just a matter of do you believe in in what he's done in total? Like outside of those last couple fights, I mean, no one's really beat him. He has one loss. It was you know similar to Usman. It was way back when in 2013. Um, against some no-name guy, but you know, he's come a long, long way. It's just a matter of, all right, how much have we seen out of him? Because I think now that Holloway's seen him up close and personal one time, I think he's capable of making adjustments. There's not a massive athletic difference. The one thing I'll say that, that I do think favors Volkanovski is I think he hits harder than Holloway right now. And, and Holloway was a little bit surprised That's fair. at the power in the first fight. But now I think he can go back and kind of address the changes he needs to make in advance of this fight. So I would agree with that. Uh, but I, I do like – I like Holloway there. I, if, if you're going to get value – like, you're going to put a gun in my head and I have to take somebody – I'm going to take some value there and I'm, I'm going to take the dog. Uh, 
which leads me to Jose Aldo. So did you have anything else to add on the other fight before I jump into Jose Aldo? No, I was going to segue, you know, into that as well. The, the only thing I was going to say is I, I do like a couple different underdogs, but I think when you look at the, at the three fights in that, you know, the three main fights, uh, I do like Holloway more than any of the un- other underdogs. But to segue into Aldo, uh, he, he's one of my favorite fighters ever. He's an underdog here. He obviously is going to command some attention. But uh, the other side of that equation is a significant obstacle. And, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on Jan as well as Aldo and how they match up here. Absolutely. So, Peter Jan is – I don't think anybody's going to sleep on Peter Jan. Like, it, it seems like everyone in the in the fight community is really, really high on this kid. Obviously, a stud, you know, he's got great Muay Thai. Uh, but I, I think just looking at this matchup, uh, you know, it's – Aldo, that's really where he made his money for a while was on that Muay Thai. Um, I, I – why are we sleeping on Jose? I mean, like his last loss, a lot of people would say that he won that fight against Morris. Then, you know, his other loss was against Volkanovski. You know, his, like his last few losses were against Volkanovski, Holloway, and McGregor. I mean, that's almost like a Mount Rushmore of UFC fighters in the last 10 years. And, you know, we're, we're going to sleep on this guy because of that. That, that's why I, I think Peter Young is a great fighter. I mean, everything I've seen out of him, you know. But I will say, the last win was against uh, uh, Uriah Faber. At what point do we say, well, Uriah Faber's 40 years old. That's your last win. Like, what's your thoughts there? Well, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, when you look at Peter Young's resume, it's very inconclusive. Like, we know – he has a Muay Thai background. He has great ground and pound. He can wrestle. There's no weakness in his game. But like you said, I mean, Uriah Faber's basically washed. And that was a semi-competitive fight the first couple rounds. Um, but when you look at when you look at Aldo, I mean, it's like, it's literally a who's who. I mean, you know, Morais, Volkanovski, Moicano, Frankie Edward, Holloway twice, McGregor, um, you know, Mendez, Lamas, Mendez again. I mean, he beat Faber way back when which really kind of, you know, vaulted him in so many folks' minds. But then what he's done, I mean, he's 28-6. and six, But, you know, I don't think there's anyone in, in the history of, of mixed martial arts who has six losses, who's, who's, you know, I mean, this guy's a top five pound-for-pound fighter ever in a lot of people's minds. Um, that might be a slight stretch, but he's definitely top ten. So when you look at this fight, I completely agree with you. Um, I view it – I'm sitting there saying, oh, my God, uh, Aldo is a dog. You know, like that, that jumps out at me. I do have a lot of respect for Jan. He, he simply lands more. You know, when you look at the statistics, he just lands more, and he has more takedown uh, ability than Aldo. And ultimately for me, I think you're right. Aldo can scrap. He can come in here. When you look at the way he wants to fight, he could turn this into a messy fight and somehow pull it out. The one, The one problem I do have is – if he gets taken down and if Jan's on top of him, it could really, really create an issue with the judges. And if Jan dominates, you know, this could go five rounds and Jan could dominate two of the rounds to the point where maybe he gets a 10-8 round or something and that really swings the momentum of the fight. I'm just throwing out potentialities, but that's the one thing where we've seen people take Aldo down, get him on the ground, beat him up a little bit. That's something he has to avoid here because if Jan's on top of him, 
it's you know he's not going to be able to to deal with that over the course of uh, this is I forget if this is three rounds or or, or five rounds, but but either way, you don't want to be dealing. It is five, right? Yeah, championship fight. And that's what makes the card so stacked. You know, I mean, you, you rarely see three fights that are five by five. You know, on the same card. Absolutely, and you know. That... One other thing I was going to add on Jose Aldo is that he actually sent the Korean zombie head to set. That guy was fighting for his independence there. He didn't have to do mandatory time in the Korean military, and he beat that guy anyway. So, I mean, I like Peter Yan, uh, the Siberian. Uh, in one of his interviews, he said, people where I come from, they don't live, they survive. Uh, I love that uh, scrap attitude, but I, I do like uh, I'm going to go with the one favorite, Usman, and I'm going to take two dogs. I'm going to go with Aldo and Holloway. Do you have any other ones that you're taking? Well, I definitely respect those picks. I love the fact that this is basically Russia versus Brazil. I mean, if you can, in the, in the, in the mixed martial arts world, those are the, probably the two most dominant countries historically, although America, the United States has some great individual fighters. But, okay. yeah, it's going to be fantastic. From a gambling standpoint, I don't think I'm going to – jump into any of those three although if if i if i get a number i like on on holloway or aldo i I would certainly entertain it come saturday there are a couple dogs that i would like to speak about you know with you they're obviously not as high profile of fights but i think they might pose some opportunity on this card and it is a deep card which uh, you know it's excellent for not only viewers but also gamblers. But I think when you're gambling, you know, you're always kind of looking at the dog in these fights, right? You're not people aren't trying to lay two hundred, three hundred unless you're into into parlaying them, which I'm not necessarily a huge fan of, unless it's a specific card. But uh, I definitely am, I'm trying to search for for a couple dogs, and one of them I, I, I mentioned to you before. I like the the Czech kid, uh, Yuri Pro, Projaska. He's going to be fighting Ozdemir. And I believe that's the uh, the main event on the undercard. Uh, I'll, I'll let you discuss it in a minute. But the one thing I, I really wanted to point out from the jump is uh, the public is more so on Ozdemir. Ozdemir is the more veteran guy. He's been around the block. He fought Cormier. He's got a nice-looking resume. Uh, but this number went uh, from plus 140, plus 150, down to plus 130, despite the fact that the majority of the money right now – and, again, this is being recorded on Thursday – but the majority of the money right now – is on the favorite. And I've watched tape. I mean, it's tough to gauge a guy who's a little bit of an unknown, who's still somewhat of a rookie in the UFC, and this is his first UFC fight. So we don't know what kind of competition this kid's fought. But I watched a couple of his fights. He fought C.B. Dalloway and some other promotion, and he just stands and trades. And what I like about the matchup is, if you go back to the Cormier fight and a couple of the other fights that Ozdemir's been in, he's been willing to do that. And I think if he does that here, he gets himself in a little bit of trouble. And it could be really a 50-50 type of fight. And I like taking plus 130. I'll let, I'll, I want to hear your thoughts on it. I, again, I don't tell people to bet a dog or, or anybody, for that matter, who they have never seen before. And I can get why people would stay away from this fight a little bit. But I do like it, and I like the dog here. No, I, I like that pick. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. So I'm going to let you go with your other picks on this uh, on the prelims. For sure. The uh, the only other two that I actually took, and it's funny because they really all three of them will come in a row on the prelims. But I'm taking Danny Henry, and I'm also taking um, a Muslim Salikov. Those two fights are really more so 
me fading the opponents. And I ultimately think that, that there's value in those opportunities because both, uh, well, Salakov's a small favorite. He went from minus 120 when I took him to minus 135, minus 140. Right now, the, the tickets are 50-50 for the most part. But Henry and uh, Amr Khani, I'm just not – I've been fading Amr Khani in the past. I've had some success with it. I'm not a big fan of his. I think Henry, uh, you know, he doesn't have a great resume, but at plus 165, uh, to me, that's another dog you may want to take a peek at, um, you know, just from a value standpoint when you look at that fight. Danny, the hatchet Henry. And Danny Belts was sitting next to me laughing whenever you said Muslim Salikov because he <laughs> thought you were joking, but that is his name, the king of kung fu. So tell us about why you like that fight. Well, with with that fight, I mean, and, and he's got a great name, but when you look at some of these these guys from Russia or Dagestan or whatever, uh, it it kind of you know it goes back to when you have a fighter with a wrestling background who's taking on somebody who's more of a stand up. Like you can look at this fight and say, okay, Dos Santos averages over four significant strikes per minute. Salakov comes in right under three, but the takedown advantage is clearly with Salakov. He, you know, he's not going to win the reach battle, but he's a more physical guy. If he pushes his tempo and his pace and he kind of dictates what he wants to do in this fight, I just don't see many ways Dos Santos can win. And, uh, you know, the one knock I, w- I would put on Salikov is, again, he doesn't have a super developed resume. Staropoli is really his best win. He beat uh, uh, Talib before, uh, Nordin Talib before that. And then most of his other work is, is really outside of the UFC. But you look at his at his resume, and it's been KO, KO, submission. You know, he just – he hasn't played around with people. And so I think there's always – I see some of these guys out of Russia and Dagestan, and they're hyped up, right? And some of them are lengthy. Some of them are more stocky. But you got to fight with a certain aggressiveness. And I think this guy does that from, from what I've seen. Again, he's not going to be incredibly active with his strikes per minute, but he's going to land strikes that alter the strategy of his opponent. And, and the last thing I'll say about it is I, I, I view Dos Santos as a somewhat weaker opponent and a guy that you could fade on this card. I like it. So I think that about wraps us up for UFC 251. Uh, I'm excited about this card. I know it- most people are. It's the only sports that we have, and UFC really provides here on Fight Island. Uh, we're going to get three title fights, some other great fights along the way. Uh, you know, one of the guys that I, we always talk about, I know I take a lot of favorites uh, in this family division. I really like this Sean O'Malley. So I just wanted to pipe that in and see what you thought was his next fight, just because as the drunk neighbor loves Sean O'Malley, as we're going to learn more and more throughout this segment. Uh, who's his next fight, do you think? Well, I, I like him too. I mean, he's got he's got the hair. He's got the persona. Uh, there's just so many things he brings to the table that are Knock exciting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he is not somebody who's messing around. Um, you know, the thing is, and I, I, it was funny because after he won his last fight, there were a lot of folks talking smack on him and, and trying to kind of, you know, I, I think indirectly call him out almost. But people aren't going to want to fight this guy because of the length, because of the creativity and the uniqueness of him. Um, you know, with that being said, when you, when you talk about, uh, you know, who his next fight is, I mean, you kind of have to look at the, the bantamweight division. I mean, he's just so much longer 
than all the people in that division. Um, so it, it's tough to say. It's just it's just unique because I think with Cejudo retiring, there's there's obviously a void. And so I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of his next fight. I mean, who who could it be with? Who could they put in there? Because they're going to try to hype up something where he's he's going up against a big name prospect or or another guy who can who can bang and it kind of ties into you know this card i mean you know could he fight somebody like patter yan uh you know down the line could it could it be you know maybe a garbrandt as a warm-up fight i mean that's a fight i think people would love to see uh what are your thoughts no i think the sky's the limit you know i think we look at you know jose aldo if he doesn't win this fight um he's gonna then become like a a placeholder, basically, like a gatekeeper to that next title fight type. I think that's where his career goes. So I think that could be one. Uh, you know, it really depends. Uh, I just think that kid is extremely talented, just a knockout artist, uh, so much fun to watch, and a guy that I really have my eye on. Um, and I think that Triple C is already trying to build that up to be a fight here in the future. And I, he had some comments just the other day about how, he thinks that he's a nobody and won't make it. So I think that is uh, just the beginning of building up a card for Triple C to come back eventually. I agree that the Triple C is not going to be gone for too long. He, you know, he's, I think he just kind of almost staged a retirement, if you will. But uh, the last thing I'll say about it is I do I, – I look at – after Sterling dismantled uh, Sanhagen, and we, we won some money on that, by the way. But yes, sir. Sterling – I believe that Sterling probably sets up – to take the winner of Jan versus Aldo. But at the same time, I mean, you know, where does Marais fit into the picture? And I agree. I mean, you look at the rankings. I mean, O'Malley, some people don't even list them in the top ten. But I do think there's probably a fight before the big fight for him. And so that's why I look at Garbrandt as, as being an opportunity. Um, I don't know who else you put him up against. I mean, there's nobody else other than the, the elite of the elite in this division that he's get, that's going to challenge him. So O'Malley's probably just, you know, due for that, that next big ticket fight. Yes, sir. Well, Hey, look, Danny Belt is getting impatient over here. So we're going to have to let you go. Great chatting with you. Looking forward to texting with you throughout the event and uh, let's win some money. Guys, it's always a pleasure. I love to, I love to chat UFC with drunk neighbor. Check us out. We'll be doing UFC here and there as the big events roll in and, and this is going to be a great year for UFC. Appreciate your guys' time. Love you. Miss you. Text me this weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, yeah. bro. That was good, man. Dude, I don't know much about MMA. I sit here and listen to you guys talk. It sounds like you're speaking Chinese. I don't know Chinese, but it sounds like you guys really know what you're talking about. I'm excited for you guys to branch off and do, you know, this MMA pod. Well, it's actually Mandarin. You Mandarin? You get... But yeah, no, no, no. It's uh, very exciting to get into UFC 251. You know, we're, we're going to have a lot of more great cards. and maybe all that we have with all this Wuhan flu ridiculousness. So, you know, let's, uh, let's make the best of it. Who's your big bet, though? Is it, is it the big favorite again? I, am I going to have to go big favorite all over again? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I love Usman. Uh, that's my guy. I got to take it. What are we talking about here? A couple units? Max units? 
I mean, you got to be careful. It's one of those things, like we always say when we bet Alabama against the nobodies. Oh, boy. You don't have to pay the juice unless you lose. You don't pay juice unless you lose. What's ancient prophet said that I believe was Abraham. You going to follow any of Sabo's picks or you just roll with all of them? All of them? Straight ticket. Just like, Straight ticket. Just like in the, in the voting booth? Just group. like when I bet all are in November. <laughs> All right, guys, be sure and follow us. Uh, be sure and follow your boy at Danny underscore Belts on Twitter. Be sure and follow Sports Antidote 1 on Twitter and the Sports Antidote on Instagram. And always subscribe, rate, and review. Keep it real, Antidotion. See you next week. Ooh, smile.